All right, good morning, church. It's good to see you turning your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke. That's where we're going to be this morning, and I know what you're thinking. Pastor Key's wearing green because he has a junior daughter at Baylor. And Baylor won the Big 12 championship yesterday. They won it by three inches, but they won it. You know, I've been in Texas long enough to know UT doesn't like OU, right? Boo. OU doesn't like UT. OU doesn't like Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State doesn't like Oklahoma. There's like big, lots of uh, hostility there. But a lot, all of them can thank Baylor, you know? Because, you know, Baylor plays OU and they win. And Texas is like, thanks, Baylor, you know? And then OU plays Texas. I mean, uh, Baylor plays Texas. And then OU's like, thanks, Baylor. And then OU's like, they go to play Oklahoma State University and they win yesterday. And OU's like, thanks, Baylor. You know, I was thinking Baylor's marketing should be Baylor, the team that always beats the team you hate. <laughs> so I know that's what you're thinking, but no, that's not why I'm wearing green today. Not just to be a reference to the victory yesterday, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> the reason I'm wearing green is because my wife told me to. And if I were in charge of my fashion decisions, I would look like Forrest Gump for the most part. I'm wearing green because it's Christmas, finally. So I've been singing since July. I'm glad you guys caught up. Um, but before we jump into our, our word today, um, we are starting a Christmas series. I'm really excited about that. But we are having a block party that is going to be our Christmas block party. And, you know, you've been to our block parties before. They involve lots of ice and snow, ice slide with inner tubes and lots of probably long lines because everybody wants to do it, right? It takes forever sometimes. But it's going to be going to be a lot of fun. And, you know, the reason we do this, guys, is because... The Christmas season in America is a time when most of our culture is in some way open to Christ, open to God, open to church, open to the, the spiritual things of God. And we want to maximize this. We want to meet our community on the ground they're willing to meet us on. And that's having a fun time, right? And so we're throwing a party for our community. It's not for us necessarily. It's all for our community. We want our community to come. We want them to see that we're not crazy like they think maybe we are, uh, right? We want them to know we love them. And we care for them, uh, that the Lord cares for them as well, and that Christmas is a time of great hope, and we want them to experience the hope of Christ. So invite your friend. I was talking to a lady um, just the other night at a volunteer appreciation night uh, party, and she was telling me her whole story. And she, her name's Wilda, but she, she said, you know what, I was right here in South Austin, and it was six years ago. It was actually the year right before I came. It was during the interim, and y'all did like an Easter egg hunt or something at that time. And she said, I didn't want anything to do with God. I grew up in church and got hurt. Definitely don't want to go to church. But she said, I do have a daughter, and if I could put a dress on my daughter and get Easter egg hunt pictures, and it's free. She couldn't believe it was free. And she was like, okay, I'll go to that. But then her husband, who was raised Catholic, actually started coming and attending because he had a, a co-worker that was with him that was in our church and the kids were at BCA and that sort of thing. So they got, and they go, oh, it's the same place that did the egg hunt. And so they started, and she said, oh, they did the egg hunt? Yeah, those people were pretty nice. I guess I'll give it a try. She actually came to church and all that stuff. Well, long story all the way till now, she's actually on our staff, right? 
So she counts your donations every week. She does all her finance and her accounting. It's really an awesome story, the way that God brought, drew her in, saved her. Uh, we baptized her husband right here in this room. It was an awesome story. But it started with an egg hunt. Starts with an egg hunt. What could God use you to start something in the people, people's lives that are around you? It can start on those grounds. And that's why we do it. That's the whole reason we do it. Um, it's a starting point. So utilize that. Invite a friend. It's going to be a lot of, a lot of fun. You're going to get the photo too because it's going to be amazing. All right. All right. Well, let's get to God's word. Luke chapter 1, verse 26 to 38 is the text we're going to be looking at this morning. I want to read, read it all the way through. Let's just, um, as in Christmas season, we're thinking about Advent. We're thinking about the arrival of the Lord. Let's just uh, let the word of God guide our thoughts here. Starting in verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. This is God's word. Will you pray with me? Father, we just commit this time to you. Uh, This is a special time and we dedicate it to you. We we try to set aside distractions that we might be thinking about that are happening in our life. Um, We enter into the walls of this sanctuary today and we commit our focus to you, our hearts to you. We are open. And Lord, we pray that you would just take this time and that you would speak personally to us. Encourage our hearts. Strengthen us in your word. Make us what you want us to be. This time is yours. We give it to you in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, today we start a series called Fear Not. As we're entering into the Christmas season, um, Advent, celebrating Advent. Advent just means arrival. Uh, It's a time when the church, over thousands of years, the church has developed all kinds of calendaring of the gospel. In other words, we don't want the gospel to just be some, to some uh, concept or a message only. We actually took, I say we, the church in general over thousands of years has taken time to put the gospel into our actual calendaring so that we celebrate and we remember aspects of the gospel all the way through our year. Uh, and it starts with Advent. And right now is the season that we're in. The next few weeks is going to be Advent season where we celebrate the arrival of the Son of God. Two arrivals, actually. We, the arrival here, Christmas, where Christ comes. And, uh, and then we also celebrate the second coming of Christ. He will come in judgment one day. 
and he will return and he will arrive and we celebrate that arrival at the same time. Um, but in the Christmas season, we're celebrating these things all the way from now all the way to Easter and his resurrection and then Pentecost after that. Um, but it's interesting, in the arrival of the Son of God, in the coming of the Son of God into our world, in this way, in the accounts given, there's this theme that when God is announcing the arrival of his Son, now you want you to think about this, the Scripture says that of all of world history, from the beginning of time, all the way through all the happenings, all the way to the end, God had a point in time that he had selected and he worked everything up to a head to that perfect moment where he would deliver and bring his son would come to the earth on our behalf. And at the perfect time, at the mature time, at the right time, God would send his son right at the exact moment. Now God comes to some people and he begins to sort of let them in on this mystery that he has been planning. And he begins to announce the coming of his son into the world to redeem sinners, to take on flesh, to redeem people of flesh so that we might be saved and reconciled to the God from the fall. And here comes Christ and God's announcing it. And in four counts with Zechariah in the temple, he is told, fear not. With Mary here in our text today, she's told, fear not. With Joseph, who uh, has a dream, is told, fear not. And then lastly, the shepherds in the field, they are all told, fear not. And the thing you have to think about is, this perfect time in all of world history, we actually date our years based on the birth of this child, this king of kings, the one who would be great on the earth, a third of the population of the world calls him Lord today, 2,000 years after he exists. He will be great. The announcement of his arrival, the initial re reaction was fear. Fear. Being afraid. Terrorized. And some of them, they were feared, gripped with fear. And there's this fear theme all throughout these four accounts of God announcing the arrival of his son. God was moving in the greatest blessing that the world could ever receive. He was doing the greatest good for the world that he could ever do. The greatest favor and blessing of God are coming to the earth. The greatest gift that God could ever give. And yet it's initially received with fear. Fear is the initial reaction. And I think that points to the idea that God, when he comes, creates interruptions. God, when he's at work in our lives even, when he's coming to do something call us into a new thing or whatever it might be, it's interrupting. It's an interruption. I call them divine interruptions. And many times those interruptions where God is on the move in our lives, even personally or together, these interruptions can be filled with fear. There's an element of fear when God moves in our lives. And we call them interruptions. And I think we can fear these interruptions as Mary does, as, as Zechariah does, as the shepherds do. These, these interruptions can be fearful. Sometimes God's interruptions, they're just situational you know you you just you live in the life your life and, and you get transferred um, from work to one place to another you don't get the job you get the job um, something falls through something came through something totally unexpected just drops into your lap and all of a sudden you've got this new season um, all, all that happens all the time. You, you, it's almost like we as human beings have to, we got to kind of get used to interruptions because interruption happened, right? How many of you just love change, right? I just love it. 
Bring it. I just want to get knocked off the track today. I can't wait. No, you all probably have a level of nice satisfaction in the path that you're on. And you're kind of like, you like expecting what's going to happen. And you like a little bit of that. And, and anything that kind of threatens that is, is, makes you a little bit un, probably uneasy, right? Think about when God wants to work in your way. It's going to interrupt that. Interrupt your path. Something's going to change for you. God moves in all the time in taking us to what I call divine pivot appointments. Your life is going to pivot. <laughs> and God has planned that pivot. It's coming. Mary's about to receive a pivot. It's just going to change. Her path's going to change. She's going to have to totally set these expectations aside and embrace a whole new, uh, a whole new path. It's a pivot. It's an interruption. And God, when he works in this way, we can respond with that with fear. I want to give you a couple of, uh, oh, first of all, have you ever heard the phrase, it was a blessing in disguise? <laughs> I think that's so funny because what that means is initially you thought it was something really bad. But it was really God something doing something really good in your life. But you were afraid at one point. Because God was doing something unexpected or changing something about your life or the path that you are on. And we can fear these interruptions. Let me give you a couple of reasons why we fear these interruptions that God can bring into our lives. Number one, they can be troubling. They can be. When God brings an interruption, it can often just cause troubling and earthquakes in our soul. And we don't, you know, whatever it is, it's an invitation, it's, a, it's an introduction to a new thing and, and, and it can trouble us. I remember my first ministry job. I was, uh, you know, at Prestonwood in Plano, Texas, gigantic church, 20,000 plus folks on, in there. And they wanted to create a whole sports league uh, for kids, for adults and all of this. And they wanted me to run the Little League Baseball program. Why? What qualified me for that? Because I played baseball. And if you played baseball, you can run a league. No. Totally different. All right? Totally different. Have you ever run into a Little League mom and things didn't go so well for her son that day? I'm not going to go any further with that because I'm afraid. I even get flashbacks that my, some of y'all might come at me. So I'm not I'm even going to go there. But it was a hard job. In my first year in, I'm, like my first job in the ministry is I'm taking on running a Little League. I had this one guy just on me, coming at me at all times. You ain't work with anybody like that? You all work for someone and you, the client or whatever, they just on you, at you. Just every little thing you missed, everything you didn't do, things that could have been better, it was coming at you. Emails daily from this one coach. You didn't do this. We didn't do that. You know, we could have done this. What would have been better is that. And you just feel like I'm terrible. You just conclude eventually I'm terrible. And so what I began to do with this guy is completely avoid him like the plague. Because I wanted to kind of make it and not completely be in the fetal position my whole life. He just coming at me like a porcupine. I stayed away from this dude. Avoided him the whole season. And he was a coach. And I just did not want to talk to him. I just, because it hurt. And so, one day I'm in my quiet time, waking up early in the morning, waiting with the Lord, and, uh, you know, got my music playing, I'm praying. And I got this nudge in my heart from the Lord. I felt like it was from the Lord. And it, and, and, and it was, go take him, his name was Jeff Blackwell, take him to lunch and get to know him better. 
what? Like, and, and my initial reaction to that is the way we all do that. Go, quit conjuring stuff up, key, in your mind, trying to be spiritual, all right? Quit trying to, trying to do all of that, you're right? You got, you're making stuff up, right? And you think God's calling you to do something crazy. I'm like, no, nah, I'm not doing that. That's terrible. I would be so discouraged when I left that, I would probably never recover. He would just tell me everything that I'm doing wrong. And so I just fought it off and fought it off and fought it off. But the thought, the thought that now that you're thinking about it, you can't stop thinking about it. You know, one of those kind of things. And he just kept on through the whole, the whole quiet time. I couldn't get it off my head. And I was like, All right, I might as well just deal with it and do with it because now I can't stop thinking about it. Stop thinking about an elephant. You see what I'm saying? You can't stop thinking about an elephant, right? It, it, once that started happening with me, I couldn't stop. So I just couldn't stop thinking about it. So I thought, that's it. Okay, Lord, this is you. It must be you. If it is you, it doesn't matter. You know what? I'm just going to go take my licks anyway. I'm just going to try and see if this is you because I feel like I'm just walking right into a beating. But I, I called and I said, hey, can you go to lunch? I'd love to just chat and get to know you a little bit. And the, and the lunch was actually not a beating. It was actually kind of nice. He was a lot nicer than he is on email. And, and what I realized, this guy's really smart. He started up a tech company. And I don't know what that tech company did, but it blew up on him. And so he's, like, got all these responsibilities all over the world and all this stuff and huge team and staff and but incredibly smart. And he loved baseball and he loved kids and he loved the Lord and he wanted the league to just really, really shine. And then in the middle of the lunch, he's telling me, and I'm getting to know him, I got another nudge. And this one was, ask him to be the league president. And, and I thought, he's not going to do that. He's so busy. He's traveling around the world. He's in China. He's in the, Singapore. And he's not going to want to run a little league you know and then so I but I felt the nudge again I was like hey you want to run the league (laughs) after a minute he smiled and he goes I thought you'd never ask (laughs) well guys I want to tell you hindsight looking back on it he took that league to a whole nother level better than I could ever do and doubled the amount of people involved in it, doubled the quality that they were getting and enjoying in this league. And then years after I had left, I looked back and they had him president of the whole sports organization. He was doing such a good job with the Little League, they wanted him to run everything. And so here's my conclusion on the matter. I look back at that and I think God had a blessing for me, a tremendous gift. God was giving me someone that was going to make me look like a genius. And I am far from it. But he had a gift for me, and I kept stiff-arming God's blessing for me because it just felt troubling. Maybe my pride didn't want to get pricked, right? Or maybe it was something that was keeping me away. But God had a blessing for me, and yet it was very troubling on the initial onset of this. It also can be confusing when God brings an interruption. Think about Mary's reaction how in the world is that going to happen? Now, you and I know the story. We know the doctrine. We know the theology. We know all of that. Think about what's going through her mind. None of that is in her mind. Sure, she's, she knows the Messiah is coming. She might even know that it's gonna, he's going to be born and he's going to rule as a king. She may have some concept of what a Messiah is. All of them had a little bit of wrong concept of what the Messiah would actually look like. But that God would come by the Holy Spirit and birth the Messiah? New. That's a new, I mean, if you didn't really deeply know, and most of them didn't, she would not be expecting this. This really changing paradigms in her own mind as a poor young Jewish girl to be told this from God. There's a lot of confusion in this. It's shattering theological paradigms in her, in her life. And if you've ever experienced a divine interruption, 
you're probably aware that in the middle of it, it can be very confusing. Things don't line up completely right. Like you, you, things, things aren't rational sometimes, and they don't seem to line up exactly the way. You can't really see your way through it. You don't even know where it's headed sometimes. It's just confusing. And it's, there's a confusion element, too, when God's bringing an interruption into your life. Next, they can be costly. And here's the, the real fear, right? They can be costly. When God's moving in an interrupting way in your life, it can be costly. Imagine the disruption to Mary's life. She's a young, poor Jew. She's pledged to be married. Her whole life centers around her husband, being married to her husband, and having children for him in the line of the Jewish heritage. If you're the birth of Messiah, cherry on top, right? To get land, to get a family. This is her whole plan. This is all that she would have her mind set to. And this is going to completely throw all of that out. It's going to cost her that whole plan. In her mind, she would see, I'm giving up a massive path to, to accept this other one. It's completely going to change my life. It's going to be a total 180-degree pivot. So sometimes God's interruptions call for us to go on a totally different path. And, you know, there may be things that you're looking forward to, right? You know, you're a new married couple and you had not had kids yet. And you just see yourself and one day you're going to have kids and and this is going to be the thing, and you're wanting this, and you're wanting that, and there's expectations. And sometimes when God comes and interrupts, it's like all of those things are being put into question. All of those things, are thinking, you're thinking, there's this, I might have to give all of those expectations, those things I'm looking forward to on my path. I might have to give all of that up. I may, I may have to. Think about what it costs, it, because it is costly. And we can fear God's interruption because we feel like it's going to cost me something I really want. And it makes us afraid. Well, let me give you a couple of principles here of processing God's interruptions. When God comes in an interrupting fashion into our life, give us pivot, divine pivot moments, if you will. How do we process that in a healthy way? I think we see some good principles here. The first one is be open to awkward. Be open to awkward. Many times God works by getting your curiosity on just curiosity levels. You say chapter and verse, Moses. Y'all know the story. He's out there, he's a shepherd, doing shepherd stuff, whatever that is. And he notices out of the corner of his eye a light, right? Maybe on a hill, maybe across the field. And that light is a fire. And he didn't just go, oh, a fire, let me go. No, actually it says he didn't do that. Because it says it was a fire that a few minutes later was still a fire, and 30 minutes later, it's still a fire, and it isn't going out. And it's the same bush. It caught his curiosity. There's a bush on fire, and it's not burning out. It's still burning. This is out of the normal. Like normal things burn, and the burning goes away, and it's done. Not this. This is still burning. And he goes, i got to go see this. And he goes over there. And what happens? God speaks and the rest is history. But how did God approach him? Well, curiosity. All out of the norm. Something completely out of the norm. Something that just got his curiosity that went, wait, wait, that's not normal. That's not the normal cause of things. It feels natural. That feels unnatural. Well, Mary received this greeting that was strange. 
she received a greeting. Blessed are you who are highly favored of the Lord. And she's like, um, okay, thank you. Like, awkward. I mean, literally, that's what it means. That she's thinking, am I going crazy? This is what she's doing. The, the, the literal word means she's, she's trying to logic it all out in this moment. Is, is he real? Am, am I seeing things? Is this delusional? Because that was a really strange greeting. No one does that. This is unnatural. This is not part of that. This feels really awkward. She was doing mental processing at hyperspeed. Have you ever done that in an awkward moment? We're in Waffle House. I know I just lost respect to half of y'all. We're coming home from Thanksgiving. This is just like a few weeks ago. And my kids wanted to stop at Waffle House. I'm so proud of them. I've raised them right. And they want to stop at Waffle House. So we just find a Waffle House, which is on every exit. Praise the Lord. And we stopped at one in Louisiana. Okay, so we're at a Waffle House in Louisiana. So make sure you understand the context, okay? We go in there. We're sitting at the table. And uh, it's, it's Lily and me and Will and Christy. And Lala, all five of us were there. Um, and so we're all sitting there. And you know how packed in it is. You're like, you, you literally bump the shoulder of the guy behind you. And everybody's just all slammed up in there, you know. And this guy comes up to our table. And he's an elderly gentleman. I, I don't know, maybe late 60s. How old would you say? I don't know. That's not elderly. He's 89. He's 112. That's elderly. I love y'all. Please keep making the casseroles. All right. For me, for Christmas. Anyway, um, but he comes up and he has this brilliant smile on his face. And he looks at us at the table and he goes, good morning. And I don't know, it went something like this. He said, uh, I just wanted to tell you, you have a beautiful family. And that was it, just like that. And we we're like, oh, okay, thank you. And I, you know, I'm like, what kind of greeting is this, right? Like, Thanks. Is he okay? Is, or why is he saying this to us this way and letting the whole restaurant hear it and all that? It was just awkward, right? And I, and I felt awkward, okay? So I'm like, I don't, we don't know this guy. And he just felt like he needed. And then after a pause, we were like, oh, well, thank you. And he goes, I really do envy you. <laughs> do you feel awkward? Because... I just wanted you to feel a little bit of that. I felt awkward, and I was like, I'm just going to focus on my eggs. That's what I did. I said, I said, thanks. Appreciate that. Yeah, that's good. And I was making sure they had syrup. And, you know, I looked down because I was like, maybe if we don't look, he'll just walk away. And I kind of, but when I got back up, he was gone. And did y'all see him walk out? I don't know. I didn't see him. I just tried not to look. because I felt awkward. I didn't know how to react to him saying that. I was like, is he Killer? Or I mean, what is the, what's the thing here? I don't know. I don't know what I'm running into here. And it felt really awkward. But you know what? At, I was studying this right as I was having that happen. And here's what I thought. Dog it. I was awkward. And I just may have cut myself off from a beautiful gentleman who just wanted to encourage our family. Maybe even an angel of the Lord. <laughs> I mean, just open up. I could ask him at least, what's your name? Where are you from? Are you from around here? Thanks for your encouragement. I could have said something. And, yeah, I'm a jerk. I just want to focus on my eggs so they go away. What? what? And I just remember from the Lord, well, Mary's here. And she's, she's like, what kind of greeting is this? Like, should I run and hide right now or what? When God wants to move in your life, 
and interrupting style and maybe even bring something really good to you, be open to awkward. Be open to something that this feels different. It's not totally normal. It doesn't feel natural. It feels out of natural. And I'm not saying get in cars with strangers. Y'all hear me? All right, y'all know that? I'm just saying be open to what God might have for you in situations because he does work in that way. Secondly, ask good questions. God is not afraid of your questions. You might hear something and go, whoa, this is a big interruption in my life. Um, If I'm weighing this out, is this God? Is it me? Is it not me? You're going to start asking questions a lot, especially if it's really disruptive, really interrupting, massive pivot in your life. You're going to ask questions. And there's a way of asking questions where you just want more clarity and you're open to God, but you want more clarity. Um, but there's also a way to ask that Zechariah asked that's not the way to ask, okay? So go figure out what was wrong with Zechariah's question because he asked and the angel was like, that's it, you're not speaking anymore. So don't ask that way. And what I think it is, is it's a resistant totally to the whole idea. Uh, 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 for, uh, you're asking questions in a sense of skeptic, trying to disprove and go no, right? And I think that's what that is. But God's not closed to your questions. He actually will interact with you. Mary, how's this going to be? It defies science, if you know what I mean. And God says, that makes sense. Let me answer that question. I can see where you would have that question. Next, seek confirmation. Seek confirmation. When we are experiencing a divine interruption... I believe God will confirm it to you. When it's him, I believe he'll confirm it to you. Most of the time, God provides ordinary confirmation through counsel, pastors, others in the church who will come alongside you, provide wisdom and a multitude of counseling and all of that, counselors and all that sort of thing. But when we're called to do something perhaps a little risky even, that God may be calling us into something that really requires, you know, a really all-in kind of thing, think about it. Gideon and the fleece. What did he do? Okay, so you want me to take people and go do that. I kind of need to know this is you, right? Because I'm going to die, pretty much. So I'm going to put a fleece on the ground. And, Lord, you just make that wet and make everything else dry. All right? Do the math on that. That that means it's God, right? And it happened. And he goes, all right, a little more math, a little more math. Flip it over. Now make everything else wet and make it dry. Or just reverse it, whatever it was. I wanted you to do it again. And he does it again. And God obliges this whole practice for this young, for this guy. Why? Because God's calling him into a really new thing and God wants to confirm it in his heart. Where did God confirm to Mary that this was his plan for her? Not just in a declaration, but confirm it. Well, look at this. So cool here. The angel tells Mary, if you want some proof, go talk to your cousin, Elizabeth. You remember she's old, 112, whatever it is. And she's not probably going to have kids and everybody called her Baron, right? Got the nickname, Baron. Pregnant, six months. Go check it out. What I'm telling you is true. And if that's true, do the math. Do the math. What does she do? Look at the next verse. In verse 39, in those days Mary arose and went with haste. In other words, she didn't wait a second. She's like, if this is all true, i got to see it. 
She goes with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you, Elizabeth saying to Mary, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she, in other words, Elizabeth saying to Mary, blessed are you who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. What was Elizabeth? Why did the angel say Elizabeth? Confirmation. Go do that. Go to Elizabeth. And what happens here? Notice, when does Mary go off on the Magnificat? It's not after the angel. It's after Elizabeth. She received her confirmation, and she threw her hands in the air. She says, I've done the math. She's not supposed to have kids. She's pregnant. What's the odds of that? And then some guy, person, whoever, tells me this over here. That he would know that and have it right, and I don't know him. I've never seen him before in my life. What's the math? The math is impossible. And what happens in her heart? She does what we all need to do here last. Release the brakes and hit the gas. Release the brakes and hit the gas. Elizabeth says, blessed are you who believes everything the Lord had told you would come to pass, would be fulfilled. Believe it. What is believing? What is believing? Well, what you see here is Mary goes into the Magnificat. In other words, she says, that's it. Bring it on. Think of what God is going to use me. What she was giving up was not a factor anymore. If anything disrupted in her life, she, that, didn't, that wasn't her highest concern. It was this glory of this way that God would use me. This new path that God has set before me has interrupted my life. And I'm, and I'm hook, line, and sinker fully in. I've gotten the confirmation. I'm in. And, and she's praising her God in the Magnificat. Get your foot off the brakes and believe God. That's the last step. You know, when God's leading, we can, we can kind of go through the whole process with our foot on the brake, right? You say, all right, keep going, Lord, keep going. I'm just going to keep pumping the brakes, you know, and I'll stop it any time that I feel like I need to stop, right? And, and I'm, sta- I'm keeping control of the situation, and we really like that. But there's a time when all the processing is done, and the expectation of God is to say, it's time to believe. It's time to stop putting on the brakes. It's time to lean in and 100% embrace what I have for you. The Hebrew writer says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. In other words, without you coming to the place where you finally say, no more brakes. All in for the Lord. You have me, God. You have me. Without that dynamic in your life, you can't please God. The good news is, this hit me like a ton of bricks this past week. The good news is, all you need is faith. That's all you need. You don't have to have a high IQ. You don't have to be born in the right family. Uh, You don't have to have the right experiences. In fact, you need nothing other than God's invitation. That's all you need. You've heard the phrase that God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. 
When you got God, you got everything you need. He'll give you everything he needs along the way. You trust him. That's how you do this. That's how we walk with God. You trust him. By faith, you trust him. All you need is faith. You don't need a whole lot of other things. You don't have to be influential. You don't have to be witty or funny or creative or, in, or, in, or influential naturally with people. You don't have to have all of that. You just got to have trust in him and a, way, and a willingness to obey him. That's all you need. Flip that coin. The good news is all you need is faith. Well, the bad news is all you need is faith. You got to actually have faith. You actually have to trust you actually have to take your foot off the, gas, off the brake and push the gas. You actually have to let go. And you have to trust him. And this is from the first point in the Christian life to the very last. That's how you live the Christian life. And Mary says, may it be to me as you have said. So be it. I'm not just giving you the wheel of my life, Jesus. I'm giving you the driver's seat. I'm not ever taking it back. What is God asking you to do or believe right now? I want you to think about that question. What is God asking you to do or believe right now? Your part in the matter is obedience, trust. God's part in the matter is all the outcomes that could be. You don't have to worry about that. That's his stuff. Where the chips will all fall, how all of that will happen, all the ripple effects of this decision, that's all his doings. You don't have to control those things. He has that. Your part is obedience, trusting him. You don't have to say, what if, what if that happens and what if this happens and all the, the different scenarios that might, could be if I did this. Hitting the gas means you let God handle all the potential what ifs. You release into him. And every call of God in our life involves this dynamic. Every call. Every single call. You say, I feel the Holy Spirit. I want to give my life to Christ. I want to become a Christian. And it's very troubling. And it's troubling because I know a lot of things, maybe the questions I have, that the things I might have to give up and what might happen or what this person would say or what might. All the dynamics come flooding into our hearts and our mind. It will cost me this thing. But you know what? It takes faith. You can't solve all of that prior. you got to just trust him. And that's step one. That's just coming to Christ, becoming a Christian, becoming a child of God. God's leading me to be baptized. I know I need to go up there. I've never been baptized. I've never followed in baptism. There's lots of people watching. It could be troubling, all those faces. Yeah, you've you got to trust at some point. Sure, there's questions, there's processing and all of that, but eventually you got to take your foot off the gas and you got to obey and you got to trust him. you got to step out into the nothing and know he's going to hold you up, right? You do. That's how you walk with God. God's leading you to start tithing. How do I carve that out of my budget? How do I, I mean, how can I afford that? Who can afford that? How do they even do that? I mean, I don't, there's, there, there, where's the math in that? God's leading you to make sacrifices for the poor in your community. How, what kind of time do I have? What would I do? How would I do all of that? And you, you just you follow God. God's leading you to get involved in foster care. Here we go again. God's leading you to preach. Ugh. I can't even tell you how, I'm, what, three, four MRIs I had because I don't know what's going on physiologically with my brain. My right eye, driving down the road, my right, I've never had this before. I'm healthy, I feel like. 
All right, I just went that way. Not the other one. <laughs> I felt like something is bad. I must have a tumor. That's all if you go to that first, right? If something happens up here, it's, it's bad. My right eye went that way. I couldn't see straight. Something was happening. It stuck there for a minute or two, and I freaked out. Got an MRI. They tell me it's, so, it's tension and anxiety and all this stuff, and I've been having anxiety because I'm having to preach. I, the last thing in the world I ever would want to do is to stand up in front of a bunch of people looking at me, and hopefully I say something right or say something good or say something interesting. That was a terror to me. There's nothing about me wanted to pursue that. And it was years of grueling processes of trying to come in to why God would even ask me to, to do that. Because I'm not the best. I'm not the guy. That's not me. Why are you asking me this? I'm mad. I wanted to quit. I don't know how many times. Ask Christy. I wanted to get out of this. Why is he doing this? It's the, the light of my life now. And I know that makes sense to you guys. There was a time in my life. I'm in church. Talk about that awkward thing. A lady came up to me after church. I'm in, we're just married. We're sitting at Christy, we're in Christy's dad's church. He's a pastor. I'm totally new to this whole realm. I played baseball. My dad's a house builder. We went to church. We sat in the back. We left and went to lunch. That was our Christianity, okay? I get to there. I got to sit on the front row because that's the pastor's seats right there. And you, your family, you got to sit there. So I'm like, oh, my goodness, I'm on the front. I'm going to live here? Uh, uneasy. Lady comes to me after the church service, comes down there, and after church is over, and says, introduces herself to me. I don't know her. I never met her before. She says, my name's so-and-so. God just told me in the service that you are going to preach his word to many people. Y'all are like, oh, yeah, of course. In that day, where I was at that point, I thought, this woman is psycho. Like, she has lost her mind. Like, do people do that in this church? Like, they walk around doing God's telling me this stuff? I mean, I've never had that in church happen to me. No one's ever said anything like that to me. I don't even know. It's so foreign and alien to me. I'm going to do sales, lady. I'm, I'm working, get a business degree, and I'm going to do sales. I may even go do real estate, maybe coach. I don't know. Something like that. That's all on my mind right there. She's like, I'm going to preach. So you just, I don't know what that is. But you know what? Every time someone would invite me to come share, and I did not want to, and I said, I tried to avoid it, and it all, it is, I didn't want to say no to God, but I said, yes, there was something about that lady and what she said years ago that would kind of propel me through that moment. But what if, you know, what if she ain't crazy? What if she actually is a beautiful work of God? And she had a very prophetic word given to her for me. And maybe God wanted her word for me in my heart to push me through all those zones because of what if, what if she's right? What if what I thought was crazy actually is God's plan for my life? And I would say absolutely no at every point. But what she said to me is, here we go. Like, how is this coming together in my life? And now what I do is I look back and I said, God gave me a gift in this woman being obedient. Did you know she felt awkward? You know she had to. And yet it was a blessing in my life. You're going to walk with God. You got to just trust Him. You got to trust Him. I could go on all day. These are the most basic steps. Maybe you're not in a place where God's interrupting your life right now, but He will. I can almost guarantee you He will. If He won't, life will. He's got a plan for you. At some point, you're going to feel pivoted in life, and, you're, and it's going to be the Lord sovereignly working in your life, and you're going to need to know how to process that. Maybe this sermon is helping you just recognize those moments. Don't panic, don't fear. 
Don't fear. You have a God when those things happen who already knew. He's got a plan. You can trust him totally. Do your processing. Ask your questions. Get confirmation. But then unleash the brakes. Enjoy the purpose that he has for your life. I have a sneaky suspicion, though, that there might be people where God's working in weird ways in your life. And maybe there's a deep down thing that's going on in your heart and only you and God know. And maybe it's a pivot thing or maybe it's interrupting in your life and, and you're seeking out the answer. And I felt very strongly led to go this way with this message this morning, thinking it might be someone in here where God's saying it's for, it's for you. It's for you. Don't fear. Don't fear. You have nothing to fear when you have God. Ever. There's never, ever a risk when you have him. You just have to make sure you have, this is God. But when he confirms it, you have nothing to fear. And honestly, all the things you have to give up to follow him down his path for you, it's better. This is what you want anyway. This is what you want anyway. You want him. And you want his purpose for your life. So God calls all of us. So fear not. Amen? Amen. Amen. Be open to awkward. Ask questions. Get confirmation, but let go of those breaks. Get to the place of trust with God. Next week, we're going to talk about the fear of what others think. All right? Huge in my life. I can't wait to go through that with you. All right? So bring a friend next week. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word today. And thank you for this, this time and the season as we even remember in our calendar the gospel of God. Lord, as we meditate on these things, work in our heart, Holy Spirit. Take us where you want us to go. Use us for your glory. And, Lord, I pray for every person within the sound of my voice, on the stream, in the room. And, Lord, I just feel like you really had uh, this for someone um, this week. And I pray that in this moment that the fear that's trembling, maybe undergirding, would be stilled. The courage, the light, the love the confidence and power of the Holy Spirit would fill. And that they would receive that confirmation if they need it. And then they would walk in total trust with you and go where you want them to go. So speak to us now. As we sing this song, as we pray, as we respond to what we feel like you've said to us from your word. Bless and move. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.